Welcome to the Personalized Medicine Podcast. This is the place where scientists, clinicians, and entrepreneurs discuss the progress of this rapidly developing field. Let's start. Welcome to yet another episode of the Personalized Medicine Podcast. This is your host, Radna Chopra, and today our guest is Dr. Ali Agibat Rafat from Tilibit Nanosystems. Ali works as a scientist at Tilibit Nanosystems. He has a bachelor's in physics from Sharif University of Technology in Iran and a master's in applied and engineering physics from the Technical University of Munich. He did his PhD in biophysics on the programmable self-assembly of DNA origami arrays as a platform for multiplexed biomolecular and biochemical assays in Professor Simmel's Physics of Synthetic Biological Systems Lab at the Technical University of Munich. His research work on barcoding of DNA nanostructures has been published in Nature Chemistry. During his PhD, he also went to Caltech to work on quantitative analysis of random DNA origami arrays using super-resolution microscopy technique known as DNA paint. He also shortly worked as a postdoc at the Max Planck Institute for Medical Research in Heidelberg in Kerstin Kopfritz lab. Ali is an expert in DNA nanotechnology and molecular programming, atomic force microscopy, and super-resolution microscopy with DNA paint. Welcome to the Personalized Medicine Podcast, Ali. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm very happy to be here and thanks a lot for your invitation. Great. So I think my very first question for you, Ali, would be like, I would like to start with your story. Like, can you please tell our audience that what got you interested in physics and then from physics, how did you transition to biophysics and specifically DNA origami field? Uh, so that's a very actually nice uh, question. Uh, so as a high school student uh, who was uh, solving mechanic prob- mechanic- mechanical problems or like thermodynamics problems, I started becoming really interested in physics actually because it felt to me like um, I can understand the universe better. I can I can understand why some I mean I don't know why, why this all these things are happening around me and that got me my interest really like uh, in physics. And uh, when I started my bachelor's uh, in physics, I uh, of course I had all these different courses uh, starting uh, from. Uh, quantum mechanics, electromagnetics, uh, and mechanics, and also like going further to thermodynamics and a little bit of biophysics. I, I had all these uh, different interests. Like I was interested in also cosmology, particle physics, but I was also interested in condensed matter physics. So after all, I was trying to figure out at the end of my bachelor's studies, what would I do really? What would I be interested in doing? Uh, but back then, I remember uh, cancer was hitting some of the relative members. And I really like uh, started thinking maybe I could also uh, kind of do something f- that I can see the results faster. Because I mean, particle physics, cosmology are really amazing. I mean, I really love understanding the universe. But at the same time, for me, it was always a bit difficult to find out, okay, how fast I can see the results of my efforts in, 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 this, um, in these topics. So then I started thinking maybe biophysics would be a, the way to go. So 
I might be able to do something and I can, I might be able to see the results of that faster, or at least till I am uh, still living in this, uh, in this world. So that was actually the beginning of my thoughts about uh, working on biophysics. And then, of course, uh, DNA properties got my uh, interest, the possibility of programming materials using DNA and uh, like making cell, uh, DNA is a, is a material that you can uh, do amazing self-assembly out of it. So this really got my interest and yeah, I started getting deeper and deeper into this topic. So yeah, then beginning of my master's studies, which uh, I first was at EPFL in Switzerland, I started working on some uh, polymer properties of DNA uh, using atomic force microscopy. And uh, then I switched to Technical University of Munich uh, to uh, Zimmel Lab, and I started really like focusing on the DNA nanostructures and working on yeah you know, surface uh, assisted assembly of DNA nanostructures and studying like how one could really assemble these uh, uh, DNA nanostructures on the surface with what parameters one can really like uh, yeah uh, tune this disassembly uh, and. Yeah, that was kind of like the starting point for me to towards uh, to the assembly of DNA nanostructures, crystallization of DNA nanostructures, and then of course decorating them with uh, yeah with inorganic or organic nanomaterials, which we I'm pretty sure we will discuss further when we go on uh, in the podcast. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, you thank you for for the your like talking about your journey. That what how you got interested in biophysics and particularly DNA origami. So, in my introduction, I also mentioned that uh, during your PhD, you had a Nature paper with the with specific DNA nanostructures and specific assemblies of these nanostructures. Can you tell us a little bit more about that paper? Yeah, uh, actually, uh, the thing was when since the beginning of the my my journey in the DNA uh, nanostructure sort of world, I was always really fascinated by the fact that you have you actually have the DNA nanostructures or DNA origami structures as a canvas that uh, is made of many short uh, DNA oligos, and these this canvas, which one can say it's like a, a pix, pixelated canvas that each pixel uh, has a size of 5 nanometer, is possible to be modified by variety of uh, different uh, chemical molecules. And this precision that you have, like I said, like pixels of 5 nanometer size, is, is very amazing. You basically can uh, place molecules in very, very uh, precise locations and then read them and then detect them. So... Uh, this was a very interesting property uh, of uh, DNA nanostructures. Plus with that, you can basically design arbitrary shapes of uh, materials or uh, molecules out of DNA. And this property coming together with the precise uh, placement of uh, small molecules would, would enable you to uh, to do many things, to work on many different uh, projects. For example, uh, as you mentioned uh, in in my uh, in my paper in uh, in Nature Chemistry, uh, I was supposed to study uh, like uh, protein uh, optimer interactions and kind of find a system which uh, has a higher uh, affinity towards um, a specific protein. And these specific proteins were uh, multi-IVDD proteins, which have the possibility of binding to um, 
to uh, higher to to two or more uh, DNA optimers, and one could use DNA origami to actually make scaffolds which have a specific geometrical property or let's say um, nanomechanical properties that can bind better uh, to these proteins. And we were able to really improve uh, the binding of uh, these scaffolds to a specific protein by uh, like uh, very high yields. And, and yeah, that this, was, this was actually a very, very interesting actually uh, outcome because this, is already, this was already showing us a very great potential of DNA nanostructures in the sense that you can go from, because before this, people were not able to get yields of higher than 10 to 20%, but we were able to get almost 100% binding using DNA optimers, which are actually just DNA molecules without any chemical modifications. And one can easily kind of uh, synthesize these molecules and then basically make uh, DNA scaffolds that can uh, bind to a protein with a super, super high yield. And yeah, as I said, this was a proof of uh, concept that one can actually design systems out of DNA, which can be uh, super, uh, have a super high affinity to a specific protein. And this can be actually basically used uh, for diagnostic purposes or even uh, more optimistically, uh, more optimistically uh, talking towards even uh, curing some, some specific diseases or yeah, one can, whatever one can think about when it comes to uh, binding a scaffold uh, to a specific protein. That's amazing. That's really, really very interesting. And it definitely opens uh, a number of uh, channels for multiple applications in this direction. Um, so Ali, uh, like with this, uh, as you mentioned in your paper, I think this is something what you are also uh, kind of extending in your work at um, Tilibit Nanosystems, right? In Tilibits, we are um, offering solutions uh, based on DNA nanomaterials. So uh, whatever you can uh, think of, like that you can engineer uh, with DNA-based materials, we, we are uh, offering solutions for that. So, for example, if somebody thinks of uh, yeah, producing um, a specific yeah, a specific nanobase material for, I don't know, uh, placing two proteins or two nanoparticles with a specific distance in a specific geometry, we can really like do this. And much more than that, we can also like, as I said, like whatever which can be done uh, with programmability of DNA nanostructures, we basically can do. If somebody needs a specific geometry uh, based on a DNA scaffold, we can also, uh, yeah, we can uh, produce that also using uh, DNA, yeah, DNA nanostructures. So Ali, what is Tilibit Nanosystems and what are the areas where it works in? Tilibit Nanosystems uh, is a company, is a, is a startup which was, uh, which was rooted from uh, Henrik Ditz Lab, uh, which is a lab uh, laboratory at the Technical University of Munich. Uh, focused on uh, DNA nanotechnology and DNA origami. And uh, so the, 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 the Tilibit Nanosystems Game Boy at the, at the beginning was uh, pro providing with uh, scaffold uh, for um, DNA nanostructures because uh, I, I don't know, maybe your uh, audience already know uh, about the DNA nanostructures or DNA origami structures. DNA origami is a technique which uses a long single-stranded DNA, which we call it a scaffold. 
and fold it to almost arbitrary shapes uh, using short DNA oligos. So in the beginning, uh, Telebit Nanosystems was producing this scaffold, this uh, long stranded DNA, long single stranded DNA. But as uh, it uh, went further, it started also providing with uh, DNA origami structures, DNA origami designs uh, customized for specific applications. For so we have uh, basically academic uh, academic customers who are coming with a specific uh, question or coming with a specific vision, and they ask us to produce a DNA-based material for that specific vision. And we try to find a solution based on DNA uh, origami structures. Uh, or we also have the same uh, interest from uh, industrial partners who come for us also and ask for a specific uh, application in their uh, sort of, um, yeah, in their company that they want to solve or, or let's say solve their, a problem they have or they have a vision for uh, a specific product that we can then help uh, that vision or fulfill that vision using uh, DNA-based uh, materials. So, yeah, we are offering uh, all sort of different uh, DNA nanostructures or DNA origami structures that can basically fulfill a vision of uh, yeah, a group of uh, scientists or sometimes uh, companies as well. I mean, it's from both both areas. So it would not be wrong in saying that Telebits is like the one st- one one place or one stop uh, solution for all the DNA nanostructure requirements, starting from structures to designs to even the final product. Yes, exactly. That's 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 very uh, true. And uh, up to the extent I know, we are, I think, the only company at the moment, at least in Europe, which is uh, providing uh, solutions based on DNA origami structures or DNA nanostructures. So Ali Tilibitz recently uh, got a huge grant from, the, from Germany's Federal Agency for Innovation for a spin-off called as Nanogami. Congratulations to you and the entire team for that, firstly. And then uh, can you tell our listeners more about what it is and what is your vision in this project? First of all, thank you very much. Yes, um, so I I, I briefly mentioned uh, my journey about DNA origami. So DNA nanostructures or DNA origami structures are uh, made of these... uh, hundreds, uh, let's say uh, about 200 uh, short oligonucleotides. And these short oligonucleotides can be uh, modified uh, with uh, different um, molecules, which then can be used to bind to a specific inorganic or organic uh, nanoparticle or proteins, let's, uh, let's say. In different, uh, so in industry, uh, many companies would be interested in this precise um, positioning of molecules. So with DNA origami, you basically can position molecules in a specific, uh, uh, with, with a nanoscale nano, nano precision uh, on a specific site. And then not, not only you can actually place them precisely with nanometer precision, you can also detect them and uh, read them uh, very precisely. So basically, you have a very, very high control over nanoscale. And this is a very, very interesting application of uh, DNA origami structures because in uh, many uh, industries, it's very important to have biochips that you can have a specific uh, sort of like 
that you can have very high precision in placing molecules. And uh, like you can also know how many of these molecules you have in a specific area of uh, your biochip. So with DNA origami, you are able to both uh, place these molecules precisely and also uh, have a control over how many of these molecules you want to have in a specific uh, surface area. So uh, all in all, this is kind of um, making a very, uh, let's say, this is uh, creating a high potential from DNA origami. So this was, I think, uh, also we, we noticed that uh, many industrial partners are interested in this this application. And at the same time, we were able to uh, also uh, kind of uh, show uh, the proof of concept that we can actually uh, provide uh, applications in this direction and um, yeah, get uh, our uh, get the funding agency convinced that we are able to do what we claim that we do. So uh, then we got this uh, funding uh, from the federal agency, and you see now we have the spin-off of Tilibit, which is called uh, Nanogami and. Uh, here we are supposed to, yeah, to develop further, uh, or let's say to do more research and development in this direction and provide with, uh, solutions for best future biochips that can be hopefully, uh, applied and used in different, uh, for different industrial purposes, especially where, uh, people need, uh, yeah, precise biochips for their applications. That's really interesting. And I think your project or your vision kind of would uh, solve two main important uh, problems, I would say, you know, like getting all these molecules at one place, like, you know, putting or positioning them very precisely and also, you know, counting or, you know, like having a count of how many numbers can be put, how many number of these molecules are positioned or, you know, are present or are located on a specific biochip. So that's really very interesting work. And I am looking forward to see many more applications of your research. Exactly. Yeah, that was that. That's a that's a very good point. Yeah. So basically, uh, you are able to first uh, control uh, the positioning of your molecules, and then also the numbers uh, you want to have in a specific area. Which, which yes, which is a very great potential for many applications for biochips specifically. So Ali, uh, that brings me to my next question, right? Like, uh, so many of our listeners uh, are, you know, like aspiring uh, PhD students or some PhD students who are in the final year of their PhD and would like to have a career similar to yours, like after PhD, you move into a more uh, scientific role. So uh, I would like to ask you that what is your role at Tilibits and Nanogami and how do, what does your typical workday look like? So I'm actually a scientist uh, at uh, Tilibit, um, at Tilibit Nanosystems. So a typical workday is a very diverse, uh, has many diverse tasks. For example, it starts from um, research and development independent, uh, independently to just develop uh, methods to do things uh, yeah, for, for doing different things. At the same time, you also have customer interaction. So you talk to customers, uh, they tell you what they would like to have or what is their vision. And then you have to come up with solutions for that specific vision. And of course, it's a combination of uh, project management, lab work, 
and also finding new solutions for new problems a lot of quality also uh, controls because you need to when it comes to producing a product which is supposed to be used uh, for uh, yeah for applications in industry and also for academia you need to make sure that the product you're providing with uh, you're providing with is a is a good product so also many times you need to really find solutions or find ways to uh, to do the quality control uh, but what I really like about uh, my job, I would say, is that it's a very diverse, uh, it's, it's a diverse uh, sort of like um, job. I, I do everything. I do work on, in front of computer. I interact with people. I interact with customers. I see what they want. And then I go to the lab. I, I try to uh, be innovative and find new solutions and kind of like figure out new things. So, so yeah, it is including many uh, many different tasks it's not a very specific uh, sort of uh, specific sort of uh, job that you just say okay i do this specific thing uh, and then yeah then that's my task it, it's 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 including um all sort of like uh, tasks you could imagine basically yeah that's amazing. That's amazing. So you kind of uh, are wearing multiple hats at your workplace, right? So you deal with customers, you do quality control, and also you get a chance to work at the bench. So that's like an ideal uh, work day or ideal role for many of our listeners and uh, scientists. Yes, exactly. So you are, yeah, you are doing everything. You are doing uh, sales, you are doing uh, customer service, you are doing uh, research and development. So yes, it's involving basically everything, and yeah, it's if if somebody is interested in uh, diverse tasks, I would say this is a very good job. I'm sure these diverse tasks, you know, like kind of bring a lot of challenges as well, right? Like be it in terms of a scientific uh, roadblock or some other challenge that I I can't even think about. But yeah, so how do you, uh, you know, how do you handle those kind of challenges, be it scientific or maybe more business related challenges on a day to day basis? That's a very good point. I actually uh, really like this uh, this question because the point is. So when we say challenge for some people that might have a negative uh, sort of meaning, but here I would say, yes, you are right. We are facing a lot of challenges, but I would say in a positive way, because what I like about this job is that you are, for example, the issue is that many of the problems you are facing or many of the solutions you are trying to find for a specific uh, product or for a specific customer, these solutions are the new i mean it, this these problems have never existed before so you are at the edge of r&d here so what you are facing is something which has never existed before and you have to find something very new so you might be trying something for the first time in this world and this means many things can go wrong so it means that you might be finding a solution and you might also need to take some longer time to find a solution so this is challenging, which means like you don't, you are not exactly like, let's say it's something which is going to be done for the first time. That's, that's, a, that's a challenge, I would say. But that's an exciting challenge because uh, in each project, you will learn something new. So in each project, you might do something new. And this means that you will learn something. And then also you are uh, finding the solution. It means you created something new, which didn't exist before. You created a new solution, which didn't also exist before. 
So I would say uh, this is a challenge because also you have a specific uh, time window, so you don't have a, a, a time forever to finish a project. So you need to be fast, you need to be agile, you need to be like, okay, this is the starting point, this is what a, a customer wants, or this is a vision. So I need to find a solution in a specific window, and this has to be done in this specific window. So time window. So uh, that's that's what I, that I would say is a challenge, but I wouldn't uh, call it a bad, uh, let's say, negative challenge. I think it's a nice challenge because it also um, makes the work more exciting and less boring. But at the same time, I would say one should keep calm because um, in these situations, if you if you face a problem and you lose focus, that can also get you down. And then this this is not necessarily helpful uh, in a project. So it's good to really like keep focus, be patient, and try to find the solutions uh that are the best solutions let's say for a specific uh problem um that's that's very well said actually yeah you need to have like a calm and composed and uh, exciting outlook towards whatever comes your way that's very well said um so ali as i mentioned in my introduction when i was introducing you at the beginning of the podcast also that you kind of have had multiple experiences right i mean during your phd you spent almost a year at caltech and uh, also you had a, a short postdoc at uh, Heidelberg. So can you tell us what was the work like? Uh, like what, was, what were the kind of projects that you did at these two places and how that knowledge is helping you now at Tillibits? I have uh, an expertise in atomic force microscopy and also uh, another exp uh, expertise of mine is super resolution microscopy with DNA paint. And... Uh, at Caltech, I was supposed to uh, study, quant uh, to do quantitative study of uh, random uh, DNA arrays, which were produced at Xi'an Lab uh, at Caltech. So I don't know if your, uh, uh, your audience uh, is uh, or your listeners are familiar with this Mona Lisa uh, on DNA nanostructures and DNA organic structures. So they were able to make this fractal assembly uh, or uh, assemble DNA origami according to the fractal sort of principle. Uh, and they were uh, able to get up to um, close to micrometer size of uh, bounded arrays of uh, DNA origami structures. So basically you are able, in, the, in this sort of assembly, you are able to create close to a micrometer size array which is composed of almost 7,000 um, short DNA oligos, which are independent from each other because this is a separate first pot assembly. And then you mix these nanostructures together. And this is creating a very huge pool of, uh, let's say, short oligos. So if we say a single DNA nanostructure has about 200 short DNA oligos as a canvas, uh, we were talking, there you can get up to 7,000. And this provides you with a lot of opportunities and a lot of uh, sort of like, um, yeah, potential applications you can think of. Um, my task there, so during my PhD, I was supposed to do a state abroad, a research state abroad, and uh, I chose to go to um, Caltech to Professor Xi'an lab. And I was supposed to use DNA paint, uh, super resolution microscopy with DNA paint to basically actually paint these uh, Mona Lisa uh, patterns on DNA nanostructures. Uh, so, but you, I don't know uh, so how familiar the listeners are with DNA paint. So basically in DNA paint, you are 
using DNA nanostructures and uh, you have these uh, short uh, extensions out of DNA nanostructures that can transiently bind to a dye-modified DNA oligo. And each time, since you are using uh, this system in a turf setup, each time this short DNA oligo, uh, short, uh, each time these dye-modified short DNA oligos are binding to transiently to a DNA nanostructure, they will give you a signal. And you, uh, you record these signals, and in the end, uh, on the base of a localization microscopy technique, you will, uh, yeah, you will uh, resolve uh, your system. So uh, basically, we were using stochastic processes to, um, to study random arrays which, ran, which had random uh, uh, numbers of extensions on them. So, but yeah, there uh, I also started doing a lot of uh, DNA paint uh, microscopy, uh, which is also uh, one other expertise of mine, and uh, plus with uh, atomic force microscopy. And that's actually uh, something which is very interesting for this sprint uh, project, a nanogummy-related project, because there we want to be able to uh, read these biochips and to characterize our surfaces and also DNA nanostructures. So... Uh, I'm going to also, uh, I'm supposed to apply this, uh, yeah, this expertise of mine in order to study the surfaces better. And also, uh, this is also helping a lot uh, to do quality controls um, uh, of different products we are making at Tilibit, actually. Mm-hmm. All of this sounds very interesting and it definitely requires a lot of hard work and I would say precision. Uh, so Ali, usually, you know, uh, on this podcast, we try, uh, we always ask our guest about one question that what is their outlook on the future of these nucleic acid based structures and their applications towards, you know, precession medicine over the next 10 years? Okay, so that's, <laughs> that's an interesting question. So I mean, I personally am very excited. It might have been already very visible. I am very excited about uh, the single molecule placement using DNA nanostructures because I think uh, combining the bottom-up approach, which is self-assembly of DNA nanostructures with uh, top-down techniques uh, existing in the world, you basically are breaking down all the boundaries and you don't have any uh, like assembly boundary. And also DNA origami technique is a very simple technique. Basically, it is not a very complicated technique. DNA synthesis is becoming cheaper and cheaper. So collecting all these things together, I I personally believe that um, for personalized medicine or for uh, any application which requires precision, uh, precise sensors, uh, high detectivity, and also like, um, as I said, any any application which would need... uh, high resolution, high precision. I think DNA origami would definitely provide a very, very good pathway for them and would pave the way for many of these, uh, let's say, um, these applications. So I think in 10 years, we will hear more from DNA origami. I think we will have real uh, products and we will be able to um, definitely do... I, I personally think we might be able to see real products of DNA uh, origami in people's hands and kind of like people will use them as biosensors. Maybe they will, anybody will have one um, biochip or a chip made of DNA nanostructures in their home that they need to use for, for uh, yeah, different applications. Nowadays, we have this 
uh, COVID tests, for example. Everybody maybe have one COVID test at home. We might have some uh, of such tests based on DNA nanostructures at anybody's place that they can use for detecting different things as, as sensors for anything they can, can imagine. Imagine in proteomics or uh, even different applications in sequencing and all those things. So I, I really think this is going to be uh, happening hopefully in the next 10 years. Really looking forward to holding a DNA DNA-based biosensor in my hand in the next in the coming future. Great, um, that was really nice talking to you, Ali. Uh, so, uh, Ali, um, I'm sure you've inspired a lot of our listeners today, and you know, I'd like to ask you that: what one piece of advice would you give to all these budding scientists, budding uh, students, or scientists who would like to take a path similar to yours? You know, if they're doing a, uh, like a bachelor's in physics, if they would like to move towards biophysics or, uh, you know, like how they would like to move towards the industry and th- those kind of things? So, uh, first of all, I don't see myself in a position to give advice, but uh, if if I would like to mention something, honestly, I also haven't had, uh, haven't, uh, had a very paved way, I would say, uh, to where I am today. It has been a very, very uh, also, uh, let's say, bumpy way, but... What I would say, what helped me a lot was having a general vision. What, when I say vision, I don't mean uh, you just see exactly what you want. I mean a general vision, something that you generally have a goal. Like, okay, what I would like to do, you know, generally. And when they have a vision and when they are interested in what they are doing, they, they should first find out if they are interested in what they are doing doing and if they they know that and if they really enjoy doing it don't be disturbed with the noise because i think there is a huge amount of background noise coming from a person who does uh, super resolution microscopy so uh, as you have a high noise the signal to noise ratio is going to be really influenced by that so i think one should try to really ignore the noise as much as possible because you keep hearing different things from different people. Yeah, you're doing a PhD, maybe PhD is useless, or uh, you are doing research, maybe research is not going to help you in anything, or yeah, you are doing this, maybe this is completely a useless part of science, you know. Just ignore all these things and enjoy what you are doing and try to do it as as good as possible. Uh, don't get obsessed with uh, things, but at the same time, have a vision. Try to find out uh, because I think many times when you are doing research or when you are in academia, this noise is uh, very distracting you. At the same time, there is another noise which I found very, very distracting is that you are so focused on the topic you are working on that you sometimes forget what could be this good for. And many times when you are presenting something or you might have heard this from your supervisors or from your professors, usually they say like, yeah, try to have a, uh, uh, in the beginning of your presentation, have, have a sort of motivation slide to tell, say why you are doing something. I think actually this, is, this might have been said many times, but this is a very, very important advice, I think. I think it's always good to think whatever project you are doing, what could be a, a, a longer, long-term vision of doing that project? Why, why would you do this? What could be this good for? And if you think about it, you find a way, you, you find your way. And I think I would say this is very important. So just to sum up briefly, I would say one thing is to ignore all this, uh, yeah, all this negative noise you have around you. Yeah, science, ah, is this useful, useless? Mm. 
I would forget about it. Secondly, I would try to find out what I am doing and why I am doing it. So it's, and I don't mean to find a very highly resolved answer for this, why I'm doing it, but some sort of a picture would really be helpful. That's great. I'm sure like oh, everybody has made good note of it. And uh, I would with this, like, I would just like to thank you, Ali. It was a pleasure and a delight having you on our podcast today. And uh, thank you very much. It was also a great pleasure for, for me to be here. And uh, I hope uh, this is going to be helpful. In the end of the day, also, I would also like to mention that if anybody has some interest in DNA nanostructure world, uh, yeah, we are at Tilibit and Nanogami hiring uh, new people. You can always approach us and we would be happy to have your interest and your application. That's, that's perfect. That's perfect, Ali. Uh, actually, that was my last question that uh, where can our audience find you online in case, you know, they would like to reach you for your uh, in order to, you know, apply to Tilibit or, uh, you know, get your guidance on something or even, you know, like look at or explore the possible uh, variety of products that Tilibit, Tilibit offers. Actually, in case you want to approach us at Tilibit, the best is to go to our, to our website, uh, Tilibit Nanosystems Gambaha, and there you will find uh, ways to contact us and yeah, tell us. Also, if you want to apply or if you're interested in a position there, you can always find uh, links there that you can reach us uh, for application. And of course, if you want to also approach me, you're always welcome to connect uh, via my LinkedIn profile or yeah, you can also uh, send me an email. That's always, yeah, you're always welcome to do that. And I would be very happy to, to be approached by you great thank you so much ali thank you once again for uh, taking out the time and speaking to us today thanks a lot for having me thank you so much for being with us today on the personalized medicine podcast if you like this show and know someone who would enjoy it too please share this podcast with them and don't miss the next episode yourself subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting app please rate us there and leave a comment that helps us to grow and deliver best experience to you. To access the show notes for this episode, visit our website, pmedcast.com. It's p-m-e-d-c-a-s-t.com. Our show notes include guest bios, links to their most notable work and recommendations for additional reads on the topic of the episode. And if you have any feedback or would like to suggest a guest, write us an email to team at pmedcast.com or reach out on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook. Thank you very much, have a great day, and until next time.